glad to be here. And so we're going to continue through our study through the Gospel of John. We're going to start in John 10. And uh, I titled the message this morning, The Good Shepherd. Would you, would, you, would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word this morning and the privilege that we have to gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And what a great joy it was to watch that precious video of Stephen and Candace and to see the body of Christ at work, to be a blessing uh, to a family that has given their life to the missionary call, but, but to be able to be a part of seeing the gospel spread and advanced uh, in ways that were challenging because of a lack of transportation. And what a blessing that, that we will be able to be a partners in that. And we thank you for that privilege. And Lord, I pray that as we open your word today that, that you would speak to each one of our hearts and that we would, that we would submit to your word um, and that we would change and we would um, see the things in which you are calling us to and that we would surrender with our hearts. And God, I pray that you would help me this morning to open my mouth, to preach your word, and to exalt Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the names of Jesus, the names of God. We, we sang a song during the music time called Names. And, and there's many names of Jesus in the Bible, ways in which he is described that reflect his character and nature. Uh, Jesus is the amen. He's the amen. He's the alpha and the omega. He's our advocate. Jesus is the author of salvation. He's our cornerstone. He's the cornerstone. He's the bread of life. He's a deliverer. He's a counselor. He's the great high priest. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He's the lamb of God, the prince of peace, the mighty God, the rock, a savior. He's a servant. And we could go on and on listing the names of Jesus, the way in which we, we know who Jesus is as he's revealed himself to us through his word. But perhaps the most endearing name of Jesus is shepherd. Perhaps the most endearing, compassionate picture of who our Savior is is that we can know him as a shepherd. He is a shepherd. And this is what we're going to see in, in, in John chapter 10, that he is going to describe himself as the shepherd, the, the good shepherd. And it's interesting, this term shepherd is not, was not foreign to Scripture before, before Christ came, before he became Emmanuel, God with us. The term shepherd was given to the leaders of Israel, the, the priests and the Pharisees and those who were called to, to take care of and to feed Israel, God's people, they were called shepherds. But they were failed shepherds, and that's the history of the nation of Israel, is, is if you study the Old Testament, and in, in particular the, the prophets who spoke to the nation, there was continual rebukes of the shepherds of Israel, those who were called to lead them because they, they were not leading properly and so the people of God would go through patterns of rebellion and, and not knowing and not understanding God's word as they should because their shepherds were failing them. But the prophet Micah prophesied, listen to this, 700 years before the birth of Christ, the prophet Micah prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, that a shepherd would come. And this is what it says, Oh, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So 700 years before the birth of Christ, 
the prophet prophesied under the inspiration of the Lord that a shepherd for Israel would come, and that's Christ. He is our shepherd. And so he is going to declare this. John 10, John 10, I think, is probably one of the most beloved sections in all of the Gospels, in all four of the Gospels. Jesus declares himself to be that shepherd. He is a fulfillment of that prophecy from the prophet Micah. He's the good shepherd. He knows his sheep. His sheep know his voice. And listen, what we're going to see in John 10, no one can snatch them from his hand. Amen? He is the good shepherd. Such an endearing term that Jesus is our shepherd. He's our chief shepherd. As pastors, we are under shepherds. We are gatekeepers. But, but Jesus is the chief shepherd. He is the shepherd of his church. And he cares for us. And he leads us. And he guides us. And, he, and over the next four weeks, we're going to look at John 10. It's going to take four weeks to get through John 10. And we're going to look at all the different nuances and facets of, of, of Jesus as our shepherd. And so many great truths that we're going to pull out here. But John 10 this morning... And we're going to look at the first 10 verses, and we're going to see Jesus as our shepherd, our good shepherd. So first 10 verses of John 10, would you, would you read it with me? Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out when he has Brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. It's God's word, amen. What are we going to learn from this? Isn't this exciting? I love John 10. Such a wonderful section of scripture. So many great truths. I had to make choices this week. My, my, my main, my sub points that I always have, I changed them three times. <laughs> and the message would have had kind of three different focuses because this is how rich this text is. It's so powerful. It's just, so, so bear with me. Buckle up. I don't know. Things may just start popping out all over the place. You never know. But the main point of this section, I, I, I think, is this, is that unlike the false shepherds, the good shepherd knows his sheep, loves his sheep, leads his sheep, and provides for them abundant satisfaction. I'm going to say that again. Unlike the false shepherds that we're going to see in this text, unlike the false shepherds, the good shepherd knows his sheep, loves his sheep, leads his sheep, and provides for them abundant satisfaction. Amen? The good shepherd. And so what we're going to see in this text, it's, it's really comparison and contrast. In these first 10 verses, Jesus is comparing himself to the false shepherds of Israel. He's saying, this is who I am and this is who you are. This is who they are as the false shepherds. It's comparison and contrast. And it's really two kind of comparisons. He's, he's contrasting himself personally uh, to the false shepherds. But then secondly, I think we'll see a contrast between the true satisfaction that comes from Christ and the emptiness that the world offers. 
The true satisfaction that comes from Christ and the emptiness the world offers. Comparison, contrast. Contrast and comparison. This is what we will see in the text. So what is the first reality, the first uh, uh, comparison, the beginning of some comparison and contrasting that Jesus does here? Well, the first thing we will see is, is that false shepherds are like thieves and robbers. False shepherds are like thieves and robbers. Look back, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. That's a thief and a robber if you climb in another way other than through the door. So Jesus is continuing, just for context here, Jesus is continuing his conversation with the Pharisees of John 9. There's no transition in location, no transition in conversation. There's no break point. Jesus is continuing from last week. Do you remember the question that the Pharisees asked Jesus after they kicked out the man that was born blind and that was healed? And Jesus starts to talk about their spiritual blindness. And what do the Pharisees ask? Are we blind also? He begins to explain what that blindness truly is. And then he says this, truly, truly, I say to you. He says, I'm going to explain to you a little bit further about who you are and this contrast and this reality of, of who you truly are as the religious leaders of Israel, as false shepherds. You know, this is really, if you think about it, Jesus, this is towards the end of Jesus' earthly life here. And from John 7 and John 8, in particular John 8, Jesus is throwing accelerant on the fire of their hatred for him. He's not slowing down. He's not backing up. There's some portions in the Gospels where you will see where Jesus would say, now's not the time. He, he, would, he would remove himself. Now, through his words, he is basically calling out these leaders. He's stoking the fire because he is headed to obedience. He's headed to the cross. And this is what we see. This is a continuation. Jesus is going to use a picture, though, when he begins to kind of shift this conversation He's going to use a picture that these Pharisees would have been very familiar with, a picture of shepherds and shepherding and shepherds and sheep. This was very common in the Near Eastern culture. This is common to them, and many of them may have come from families that, that were shepherds. And so this is not out of the ordinary language. But, but notice, notice it, 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 it says here, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold, by the door, but climbs in another way, that man's a thief and a robber. Well, what, what, what is a sheepfold? Well, a sheepfold, if you could imagine or picture it, picture about a, a four to five foot tall a stone wall that was rectangular, uh, you know, that may have been, let's just say, you know, 20, 30 feet uh, uh, long and maybe 15, 20 feet wide. It was rectangular and it was a stone wall four to five feet high and there was one entrance into the sheepfold. There was one door. And so this, this is the picture. This is the, the description that Christ is giving. There are sheep that are inside of a sheep fold, and there's, there's, a, there's a door. And Jesus is saying that those who don't enter through the door are not the true shepherd. And we're going to go into a little bit more explanation of the door and, and, and the entrance later on in this message. But just to get, get us going here with this imagery, four or five feet tall, high, stone wall with with sheep in there, and there's one entrance in. And Jesus is making it very clear here through his illustrative story, through his word picture here. He's saying, he's saying those who don't go in through the door, they're not the shepherd. Only the shepherd goes in through the door to care for the sheep. Those who are, are not the shepherd, they come another way. They climb over the wall at night another way. They are thieves and robbers. Thieves and robbers climb in another way. The shepherd goes 
through the door. So it's interesting. Jesus is saying this to these Pharisees. He's giving them a picture of who they are. It's just amazingly bold. That's who Jesus was. I mean, John 8, what did Jesus tell these same Pharisees? He said that they were of their father, the devil. He says, he says you're of your father, the devil. And, and, and eventually they picked up stones to throw at Jesus in that moment. And so Jesus was very bold in his rebuke. He's calling these Pharisees false shepherds. He's, he's, he's being very clear that, that, that the true shepherd goes through the door, but, but thieves and robbers, they come in on the outside and climb over the wall to try to get to the sheep. And he is making this picture that this is who these Pharisees are. False shepherds are like thieves and robbers. And he's saying to them, you're blind. Yeah, you're blind. You're blind guides. You're blind shepherds. God has entrusted his sheep to you, but you've left them vulnerable. You know, sheep are some of, are some of the most vulnerable animals on the planet. It is said of sheep that if, if you leave them unattended, they will kill themselves. They will starve. Like, like if, if they, 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 that they will eat in one location until all the food is gone, and unless you bring them to another location of food, they will just eat until there's no more food, and they will die, right? They, they, they are not the most intelligent animals, and it is pretty amazing that, that the Lord calls us his sheep. Isn't it nice of the Lord to call us that? But, uh, you know, I just, I'll, I'll let you fill in the blanks in your own personal experiences, but I, I think we can all relate to the fact that we are like sheep from time to time. But there were... Sheep are vulnerable. They're susceptible to attack from thieves and robbers climbing over the wall of the sheepfold to try to poach sheep, right? To try to influence and, and try to steal from people, right? And so this is who Jesus is calling these Pharisees, these religious leaders of the Jews. And he's using this imagery to speak to how these spiritual leaders had not been protecting his people, he is the shepherd, these are his sheep, and the religious leaders of the Jews were to be the gatekeepers, the under-shepherds, but they weren't doing their job. I love what the Bible exposition commentary says. I think it brings some clarity here. He says, the statement, are thieves and robbers, not were thieves and robbers, makes it clear that he had the present religious leaders in mind. They were not true shepherds, nor did they have the approval of God on their ministry. They did not love the sheep, but instead exploited them and abused them. And you, you see this throughout the history of Israel, and you see it as Jesus exposes it in the Gospels. The false shepherds, these false shepherds that Jesus are specifically talking to right now, they come from a long line of false shepherds, a long history of Israel. Of false shepherds. And we see this throughout the Bible. One prophet in particular, we can look at many prophets, but one prophet in particular, Jeremiah, spoke to the false shepherds of Israel. Listen to Jeremiah 12, verse 10. Many shepherds have destroyed my vineyard. They've trampled down my portion. They have made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. My shepherds have destroyed the fruit that I wanted to see. My shepherds have trampled down my portion. They've made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness, a rebuke of the shepherds of Israel. Then Jeremiah goes on in Jeremiah 23. The prophet speaks to the false shepherds of Israel. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away and you have not attended to them behold i will attend to your evil deeds 
I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Wow. Wow, what a great, heavy responsibility. And what an amazing declaration that the Lord gives to these false shepherds. I'm going to attend to you for your mistreatment of my people. Wow. So thieves, false shepherds are like thieves and robbers. This is who he calls them, thieves and robbers, thieves and robbers. When you think about a thief, what, what is true of those who steal? When you think about those who steal, what is true of those who steal? They want something for nothing. They want something for nothing. They don't want to earn something. They don't want to work for something. They, 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 they want something for nothing, and, and it's at the expense of others. So they will take from others, and it doesn't matter how it impacts other people. I want what I want, and I, I, I want to satisfy my own desires. They are self Thieves and robbers are self-focused. They're narcissistic. They only see their world and their desires and what they want, and it doesn't matter who they hurt or how deep the hurt is. That's a thief and a robber. An example that we're seeing in popular culture right now is a guy by the name of Alex or Alec Murdaugh. Is anybody paying attention to the the trial in South Carolina, a disbarred uh, attorney, Alex Murdaugh? He's being charged for the double homicide of his wife and his teenage son, but for the last several years, he's been in controversy. He's been in the courts because He's a known thief. He got disbarred because he stole people's monies. And, and, and there's one example of this that is just so terrible. Uh, he had a housekeeper that worked for him for years. A housekeeper, a lady worked for him for years. She falls on his property. And she gets injured. And so he's an attorney, so he's going he's gonna to represent her to the insurance company. And he tells her that you're going to get about... $500,000, you know, this is what you're going to get. And so he gets the money and he gives, you know, X amount of dollars, hundred something thousand dollars in one payment, then some more monies, but no, no more than about $500,000. But unbeknownst to her, the insurance company had settled with him for like $3.8 million and he kept the money. So at the trial this week, the son, who his mom is now deceased, is testifying that his family lost out on $3.8 million because Alec Murdaugh only cared about himself. Also in the testimony of the trial, a fellow lifelong friend, 30-year-long friend of Alec Murdaugh, Alec stole $192,000 from him. And you saw on the witness stand the pain of this lifelong friend crying, crying, grown man crying on the witness stand about this pain he experienced from this betrayal of his friend. Thieves will do whatever they can to get what they want. It doesn't matter the impact, doesn't matter how it makes other people feel. And so when you think about a description of, of, of how a shepherd could be described, wow, may a shepherd never be described. An under-shepherd of God, a shepherd of God, everybody described as a thief or a robber. Because a thief and a robber, they're narcissistic, they're self-centered, they only care about their desires. And this is how God, how Jesus is describing the false shepherds of Israel. You're climbing in the wall, over the wall, to get at my sheep. You're not a true shepherd that comes through the door who protects my sheep. Wow. What a heavy picture. The religious leaders of Israel were interested only in providing for themselves and protecting themselves. The Pharisees were covetous and even took advantage of the poor widows. They turned God's temple into a den of thieves and Jesus came and overturned all their tables. Matthew 23 tells us about 
the Pharisees, they do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. This is their religious apparel. They want to be seen in religious apparel so they can be seen as spiritual. They love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbis by others. But they were false shepherds. False shepherds are like thieves and robbers. So, so what, should we, what should we take from this picture our Lord is giving of the false shepherds of Israel? I, I think the implication is so clear for us. It is a warning for us. It's a warning for us today. We must, listen, we must be aware today. There are false shepherds today in our world. There are false shepherds out there that are only interested in what they can get out of you. False teachers, false prophets, apostles, prophets that are out there. So-called apostles and so-called prophets that are out there. And they, they love the titles on their names and they're there to, to, to get what they can from you. They, they will use people for their own popularity so they can, they can increase their influence, which will ultimately increase, increase their finances and their pocketbook. False shepherd, false prophets that are not for the people, but are for themselves. So the, the call for us today is to be aware. Be alert, watch out, be on guard. Consider carefully who you follow and who you listen to. Consider carefully. Look, I, we, we seek by God's grace and his, his mercy to present to you God's word as we see it, as we study verse by verse to show you in context. But don't ever assume that what I say from this pulpit is, is right. Don't ever assume, test, test what I say. Go to God's word, test, prove it. And the ones that you listen to on the outside, Test, be careful, be aware. Not everyone on YouTube is a good preacher. Not everyone out there that has a, a big platform is worth listening to. Don't be duped. Don't be foolish. Don't follow those who make promises they cannot fulfill. Look out for preachers, pastors, prophets, apostles who are after what they can do for themselves, who will tell Christians what they want to hear instead of what God's word says. Listen, listen, watch out for flashy preachers, self-absorbed, flashy style-centered preachers who are only interested in style and not in truth. Listen, watch out for the smooth-talking preacher who can talk you into denying the truth of God's word. Watch out. Listen, beware of the false teacher who uses his words to undermine the authority of Scripture and they can make it sound reasonable. You know, there's a really famous preacher right now that's probably one of the most influential in evangelicalism over the last 20 years. He, has, he is abandoning sound doctrine right now. Be careful for men like that, and they make it sound reasonable. Why would you not believe it, but it is against God's word? Be discerning. Be discerning. This is the warning. False shepherds are like thieves and robbers, but now you ready? Here's the contrast, but, but, here's the, here's the comparison. The good shepherd cares for his sheep by name. False shepherds are like thieves and robbers, but the good shepherd cares for his sheep by name. Look back to the text. Jesus uses the word but. He says, he says the other ones are thieves and robbers that are breaking through and not going through the door. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. 
Jesus is overtly comparing himself to the Pharisees here. He's overtly comparing himself. He says, that, that, that man, those, those, those leaders, they're thieves and robbers. But the, but the shepherd, the one who goes through the door, he is the shepherd of the sheep. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The shepherd would leave. Here's a little background of, of what's happening in this picture. The shepherd would leave a gatekeeper at charge from time to time. There'd be an under-shepherd. The shepherd who was in charge of the sheep, he'd hire an under-shepherd, a gatekeeper, to stand by the one door, the one opening into the sheepfold. In particular, maybe it was at night when the shepherd would go home to go to sleep. There would be an under-shepherd, a gatekeeper that would be right there. Or if he had to run errands for, for the, the purpose of taking care of the sheep, he would leave a gatekeeper. And so the picture is that when the shepherd comes back, the shepherd's not climbing in over the wall, Right? Where's the shepherd going to go to? He's going to go straight to the door because the shepherd, this is his sheepfold. And the gatekeeper says, yep, that's the shepherd. That's the real shepherd. He lets him in. This is is the picture. The the true shepherd had no reason to climb over the wall like the thieves would. Next, look what the text says. It says he calls them by name. He goes through the door. He doesn't need to ring the doorbell. He doesn't need to convince the gatekeeper of who he is. The gatekeeper knows who he is, right? And then it says, he calls the sheep by name. I love this. I love this. And and it is true when you study shepherds and shepherding during this time, it it actually was true. They would come up with names for the sheep. Maybe it was something like like this. The sheep are shaped different sizes and different colors. So maybe he'd say, come here, fluffy. Let me me check you out here, right? And so, you know, sheep had to be taken care of. They couldn't tend for themselves. They had to have their hair trimmed or their wool trimmed. And they had to have, uh, you know, uh, make sure that they didn't have bugs lodged in different places. And so, right, come here, Fluffy. Stinky. (laughs) That that sheep always stinks. That's what I'm going to call them. What about this? Come, Come over here, stubborn Stan. That's the one that never wants to listen. Stubborn Stan. And time to eat, Chunky. Right? It shows an endearing connection. He calls them by name. Isn't this so good about our shepherd? He knows my name. He knows my name. If he knows my name, he knows my address. If he knows my name, he knows where I live. If he knows my name, he knows all that there is about me. He is He is our shepherd, and what a great picture of the true shepherd of the church. He knows my name. This is our shepherd, our chief shepherd. I may not know your name, and I'm sorry, but the Lord knows your name. He never forgets your name. He knows you. He sees you. You're not oblivious to him. You're not, you're not, you, you, you're not in the dark to him. Amen? Notice that next the text says that the true shepherd Leads his sheep out. So, right, he doesn't ring the doorbell. He, the gatekeeper lets him right in. He starts checking on his sheep. He was gone overnight. He's coming back. He's checking for bugs. He's checking for things that, that he needs that he knows aren't maybe right about the sheep. And he's calling him by name. Come here, Fluffy. Come here, Stinky. Come here. Come here. Let me look at you. Let me make sure that you're okay. Let me attend to your needs. Let me care for who you are. Let me, let me make sure that you're okay. And then he says, okay, now it's time to go out of the sheepfold. we got to go eat. And he, he leads them out. He leads them out. Isn't, isn't that Jesus? When Jesus called his first disciples, what did he say? He said, he said what? Follow me. 
I wish I had my shepherd's staff that's in the office. He didn't take a stick and bang it on top of Matthew's head and say, come and follow me, buddy, whether you like it or not. He said, hey, come follow me. This is what a shepherd does. A, 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 a false shepherd drives the sheep like cattle that he's trying to herd, but a true shepherd, he leads out in front of his sheep because he's looking ahead to make sure that, that the terrain is, is okay, making sure that in front of them that their path is secure. And no doubt he has the under shepherds behind him that are protecting the backside, but the shepherd is out in front and he's leading and he has under shepherds around, behind, and on the side that are guiding the sheep, protecting the sheep, but he is saying, follow me. He leads the sheep how Jesus leads his sheep. He isn't a harsh leader who drives the sheep. He calls the sheep by name. He leads them with gentleness. Follow me, no manipulation, no coercion. And this is our Lord. This is our chief shepherd. Amen? Full of compassion for his sheep. It's one of the things that I love to take note of when I, I read the Gospels, and you see it so much especially as we've been looking in the Gospel of John and some of these conversations that Jesus has, you see his compassion. I love what Matthew 9.36 says, when Jesus saw the crowds, the tens of thousands of people that would follow him, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see it? You see it? Jesus came to Israel... And it says that he had compassion on Israel. Why? Because their shepherds weren't taking care of them and they were harassed. And Jesus comes and he looks at them and he says, I have compassion on them because the shepherds aren't taking care of them. They're not providing for their needs and caring for them. I love this about our Lord. He's full of compassion, and you know what the compassion of Christ did? The compassion of Jesus led him all over the Judea countryside, doing what? Seeking the outcasts, seeking the sick, seeking the hurting, following after the lost, caring for the sinners, eating with sinners, calling them to repentance, loving the outcasts, loving the hurting. One of my favorite miracles that Jesus did is the man with the withered hand and the man with the withered hand says Lord if you're willing can you make me clean his leprosy and Jesus said I am willing and he touched him this is our Lord full of compassion I'm willing I'm willing your shepherds that God put in charge of you they're not willing they're only after what they can get out of you but I'm willing because I love you because I care for you this is our shepherd. Jesus came to give and not to take. Jesus came to heal and not to wound. Jesus came to serve and not to be served. I love Matthew 11. Jesus said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Don't take, take off the yoke of the Pharisees and the scribes and the priests that are putting burdens on you. They're too heavy to bear. Take off that yoke. Put my yoke on me. Why? On you. Why? For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls right now. I, 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 I think in that day there were those who had no rest for their souls because they were following re religious man-made rules and regulations. And today, some of you here today, you have no rest for your soul. 
And the chief shepherd today, the shepherd of his church, is calling out to you that you can have rest for your soul. Why? Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It was so powerful about this picture is that Jesus could have anything that he wanted. Anything he wanted. I was watching this video of this guy named, I forget his name, Cardona, Cardona. He's this online guy who's got this Ponzi scheme of trying to buy his system and you'll get rich like him, but he's the only one that's a billionaire. And he, this guy talks nonstop, telling you how you can get rich. Jesus could have had all the wealth, more than any of the billionaires, all the billionaires combined. He could have had all the power. He could have had everything that people today think that you would want and, and desire and need in this world. But he didn't hold on to the power that he had. In fact, he let it go. He let it go. He didn't have all that he could have had. Jesus was the complete opposite of religious leaders of his day. Jesus wasn't doing what he was doing for himself. He wasn't self-centered, just completely selfless. Have you, have, have you ever just imagine this? Think about this with me. How does it feel for you personally when somebody does something for you and they do it simply because they love you and they expect nothing in return, no strings attached? How does that make you feel? Think about that for a moment. How does it make you feel? Warm and fuzzy, right? <laughs> I mean, just like, wow, you don't want nothing? Can I do anything? Have you ever asked that question? Somebody does something for you? What's one of the first things we want to say because we're grateful? What can I do? Can I do something for you? And they say, no, no, nothing. It's just because I love you. Just because you mean something to me. Isn't that good? Doesn't that make you feel good? This is Jesus. This is our chief shepherd. This is who he is when we love like that, we reflect our chief shepherd. So, so, so how does this picture meet our world, right? The first reality that met our world about the thieves and the robbers was that we need to beware of false teachers. But, but what do we think about when we, 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 when we see Christ as our compassionate shepherd who leads us and guides us and is, is loving us selflessly? How should that impact us? Well, I think it should change the way in which we love, don't you think? If we are Christians and he is the one that is leading us, he's going out in front of us and he's guiding us, how should that impact our relationships? I think it should change the way we love people. That we should love people the way that he loves us. How could we do anything less if Christ loved us like that, like he does? How can we do anything less towards the people in our life? I love what John 13 says, Jesus says this. He tells us, this is for us, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Do you see that? The shepherd leads. He goes out in front. He says, follow me. How are people going to know that you are following the shepherd? By how you love other people. By how you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. By how you care for those who are in need. That's how they're going to know that you're a disciple because that's who Jesus is. That's who we see him to be when he walked the earth. That's who he is. So if we are following our shepherd who's not driving us but is compassionately leading us, then that is the way that we should love. That's the way that we should live. Amen? So what have we seen so far? 
Comparison and contrast. False shepherds are like thieves and robbers. And who, by contrast, the polar opposite of the false shepherds of Israel is the good shepherd who leads his sheep by name. Amen? What's the third comparison and contrast? Following the good shepherd, number three, leads to abundant satisfaction. Following the good shepherd leads to abundant satisfaction. Look back to the text. John, back to John 10, last verses here. So Jesus again said to them. So he gives them the illustration Now he explains it a little bit more. He drills down a little deeper. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. They are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. Remember he said earlier that the shepherd goes through the door? Now he says, I'm the door. We're going to explain that here in a second. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief only wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Wow. So Jesus continues his theme of comparison and contrast. Now he's going to contrast between following him versus following the thief. What does it look like to follow the shepherd and what does it look like to follow the thief? There really is a difference. But notice, first of all, what happens when you enter by the door of the sheepfold. Notice what it says there. Look at verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. So earlier, Jesus is saying that the shepherd doesn't have to knock on the door and ring the door bell to get into the sheepfold. The gatekeeper lets him in. Now Jesus is saying, oh, here, let me, let me explain to you this a little bit further. I'm actually the door. This is the third of his seven I am statements. He's, he's, making a, he's saying I am. It's, it's this, this, this divine declaration that, that he, is, he is of divine origins, that he is God. The I am statements of God, of Jesus. So he says, he says there's a door and the shepherd can go right in. But, but just so you understand here, I'm the door. And anyone who enters by me into the sheepfold will be saved. The only way to get into the sheepfold is to go through the door. So what is Jesus saying here? I think it's pretty simple. He's saying he's the only way to be saved. He said, if you want into the sheepfold, now, now this picture here we're going to see in the next week or so, the sheepfold is Israel. This is a direct picture of Israel here. And we're going to see next week that, that the Gentiles get to be grafted into the sheepfold. Aren't you glad for that? Right? But the only way into the sheepfold, whether it's Israel or it's us Gentiles, it's to go through the door. And who's the door? You know, this is, this is very exclusive language. This is language that Jesus is saying he's, it's the only, the only way into the sheepfold to be called one of God's sheep is that you would go through him. And there's only one door, and he's the door. And as a real sheepfold would only have one door, he's saying, I am that door into the sheepfold to be one of my sheep. This is nothing new. This language is not out of the ordinary for Jesus, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes into the Father but by, but by me. Enter by the narrow gate, for broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path that leads to everlasting life, and few find it. What about this? There is salvation. This is the book of Acts. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved but by the name of Jesus, who is the door. He is the door. I am the way. Enter by me and be saved. So that's the call for everyone today. If you've not been born again, if you've not been born again, you've been trying to come in another way, well, I'm going to come in through the way of self 
works righteousness. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to earn my way by coming through the backside and, and, and be good enough and, 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 and go to church a lot and, and keep a lot of rules and regulations. And this is how I'm going to earn God's approval. It's, Jesus says very clearly, the only way to become a sheep is to go through the door. And he is the door. And what's beautiful about going through the door, who is Christ, is that the Bible tells us that we can have his righteousness. When we go through him, we don't have to try to earn our own righteousness to get in, into the sheepfold. We just have to, by faith, believe that he is the way and that he died on the cross for our sins. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So go through the door today. If you've not been through the door, go through the door who is Christ. Amen. And now notice, notice what it says next. And if you go through the door and, and you're born again and you're saved here today, you will go in and out and find pasture. You'll go in and out and find pasture. What, what does it mean, pasture? Well, pasture literally means a spread of land for grazing for cattle. Pasture is a spread of land for grazing. It's a spread of land for grazing. When I think of spread, I just think of endless, an endless spread. And in the spread, when you have cattle that are grazing, it's, it's limitless. But the pasture that God provides, it's a big spread. It never ends, right? It never ends. Jesus is saying, through me comes salvation and protection. And through me comes spiritual nourishment and satisfaction. This is what he's saying here. I'm the door. I'm the only way into the sheepfold, only way to salvation. And when you come in through me, there's a buffet that never ends. Do y'all like buffets? I don't like buffets. I get grossed out. Right? But Jesus is saying, the buffet never ends. The spread never ends. You come in through me. You come and get saved through me and me alone. And I will satisfy you for the rest of your life and in through all of eternity. It never ends. Complete, full, eternal satisfaction. You ready for the last contrast? Look back, verse 10. The thief comes. All right? Jesus says, I'm the door. Abundant pasture and satisfaction. But the thief comes only, only. No satisfaction, no pasture, no salvation. The thief comes only to steal to kill and to destroy. But I came, Jesus says, I came that they, my sheep, may have life and have it abundantly. And I believe the contrast between following Jesus and following the world is right here. This is the contrast. This is the contrast. You want to follow the thief, who I believe in this text is Satan. He called the thieves and robbers the false shepherds of, of Israel. But I think the, the, the thief, the individual thief who motivates those thieves and robbers, as Jesus told them in John 8, your father's the devil, the thief. The thief only wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you follow him, there's no satisfaction there's no contentment, there's no peace, and there's no salvation. This is the contrast between going through the door who is Christ and following the thief in the ways of the world. This is, the contrast couldn't be clearer. Following Jesus and finding true satisfaction versus chasing the things of the world. You know, we, we see this throughout Scripture, the contrast of, of following God versus following Satan, following God versus following the ways of the world. I, I love what Psalm 1 says. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, 
nor stands in the seat in, in the way of sinners, nor seats in the, sits in the seats of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. Blessed is that man, right? Contrast, the wicked are not so. Those who don't go through the door, through Christ, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. It's emptiness. There's nothing to them. There's no substance. They're like chaff. The wind drives them away. And the good shepherd in this text is calling his sheep. He's saying, follow me and find true salvation and abundant satisfaction. And be warned that the thief only wants to come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And this is really the contrast in our world today. Do you see it today? I mean, it's everywhere. Think about everything that you consume media-wise. Like just think about what you watch, what you listen to, the commercials you see. I mean, it's everywhere. It's the contrast between following God versus believing the way of the world. The way of the world will tell you that it is money and possessions and experiences that are what really are going to satisfy you. And the narrative, listen, the narrative of the world The storyline, I should say, of the people that are not going through the door of Christ and following him in his ways is is, is one experience to another experience to another relationship to another relationship, and it's emptiness after emptiness after emptiness, and another attempt to fill the emptiness, and another attempt to fill the void. Is that not the pattern? Do you see it with me? It's everywhere. And I think I think what happens is, is we grow numb to it. it we, just, we just watch it and we see it. We grow numb to it and we don't realize how pervasive it is in our world. People chasing after the wind. And I, I, we're talking with some of the elders last night over dinner. I think we lose sight of, of what we have to offer. Like we have the real deal, people. You got the real deal. If you got Jesus, you got the real deal. You have what the world is looking for. You have it. It, If you have Christ, you have what they're missing. If you have Christ. Do you remember Tom Brady retired and unretired and retired again, right? You remember that that, that year where he retired? And it's, I think, we don't ever really know for sure, but I think his wife wanted him to retire last year, but he didn't. And now they're divorced because... He got his way, and so she didn't get her way, so they split ways, right? What, they're seeking, searching, satisfaction. I don't, do, do I need one more title? I've got seven, eight would be nice. No, seven's perfection. You're good, buddy, right? How, what, what else do I need? Right? I need more. I need more. I need more. I'm not satisfied. How else can we see this contrast? How else can we illustrate this? I think it's like this. It's the difference between the picture of a McDonald's quarter pounder with cheese versus what you get when they hand you the bag. Isn't that true? It's the picture of the quarter pounder with cheese. I mean, that that burger looks so juicy. I mean, it's either juice or grease. I don't know, but it's dripping off in the picture, and it just looks amazing. And then you get the quarter pounder with cheese, and it's like flat like this, the cheese is all like off-center, coals. You, you get a quarter pound of cheese and the cheese is cold, come on now, heat it up for 10 more seconds, melt that cheese for me. 
It's kind of like this. It's the difference between buying the get-rich-quick scheme and then realizing that there really is no other path to success and wealth other than hard work. Right? It, it, it's, 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 the, it's the contrast. Or, or it's the difference between being sold a message. Listen, this is a little more challenging here. It's the difference between being sold a message that temporary sexual pleasure outside of marriage will satisfy versus realizing that emptiness remains after the experience is over. Whatever you are searching to fulfill through sexual pleasure outside of marriage, to fill that emptiness, when the pleasure is gone, what's the song, when the thrill is gone, you're there. The emptiness is there. This is the contrast, the way of the shepherd, the way through the door of salvation and abundant satisfaction versus the way of the world. It's, it's, it's the prophet Haggai speaking to Israel. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. See the picture? This is what the thief wants us to live for. Suck everything out of this life for temporary pleasure. Believe my lie that money will satisfy. Possessions will satisfy. Pleasures will satisfy. And by contrast, what is the good shepherd saying? Look to me and truly live. Come to me and be saved. Come to me and be satisfied with the never-ending spread of soul satisfaction. Amen. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So what have we seen so far? We've seen that false shepherds are like thieves and robbers. We've seen that the good shepherd leads his sheep by name, right? And we've seen, thirdly, what did we see? We've seen following the good shepherd leads to abundant satisfaction. I'm going to conclude with this story. Sir George Adam Smith was a Scottish theologian of the early 1900s. And he was talking to another theologian on a, on, a, on a train ride in the early 1900s. And he was telling this theologian, other theolo- one theologian to the other, about a conversation that Sir George Adam Smith had with a Middle Eastern shepherd. And the Middle Eastern shepherd was not a Christian. He's a Muslim. And he's but he's a shepherd, and so the theologian is wanting to talk to him about his role as a shepherd. And so the shepherd is showing the theologian the, his sheepfold, looking at the wall and showing him his sheep. And the theologian, Sir Adam Smith, Sir George Adam Smith, says this, there's, but there's no door. There's, 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 there's no door. And the shepherd said, with no biblical context, he says, I'm the door. I'm, I'm the door. And George said, well, what do you mean by the door? The shepherd responded, when the night has come and all the sheep are inside, I lie in the open space and no sheep ever goes out but across my body. And you, you can look up and you can see this. Look up pictures of sheepfold and shepherds and that you'll see a picture of a 
shepherd in the door. There's no door because he's the door. He responded, when the night has come and all the sheep are inside, I lie in the open space and no sheep ever goes out but across my body and no wolf comes in unless he crosses my body because I am the door. And this is our good shepherd. He's the door. He's the way. He is a gentle shepherd. And he leads us out into abundant satisfaction. Or, as the psalmist David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. It's our good shepherd. So I want to make a call to you before we pray, before we sing, pray and sing. Two, two simple calls. If, if you're here today and you have never gone through the door who is Christ, today you need to do that. You can be forgiven today. Jesus is the only way to be forgiven of your sins, of all of your sins. Everything that you have ever done, every weight, every shame, all the guilt can be wiped away in a moment when you walk through the door who is Christ and you believe that he is God, that he was raised from the dead, he was crucified for your sins. And because he was raised, you can be justified by faith. If you believe that, you walk through that door of faith through Christ. You can do that today. Or maybe you're here today, your second category of people, you... You've been, as a believer, as a sheep of God, you've been peeking out the side of your eye at what the world has to offer. And you've been trying to taste some things. You need to, you need to be reminded today, no, none of that will ultimately satisfy. None of those, those pursuits will. And you need to draw your focus back to following your shepherd. Amen? So on those connect cards in the back of your seats there, there's an ink pen, there's cards if you want to make that call, if you want to respond to that call to follow Christ as your Lord and Savior, you, you can fill that out, put it in these buckets up here, put it in the offering box, bring it to the welcome desk, or if you need prayer about anything, you can write it on that card, give it to us. We want to contact you and help you with all of that. Would you pray with me? Stand to your feet and let's pray and then we're going to sing. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. Such a beautiful picture of of who you are. So many different names that, that you are. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Emmanuel, 
the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, servant, Savior, Lord, but shepherd. Lord, it's who you are. And what a great picture we are able to walk through seeing you as our shepherd, the good shepherd. And Lord, I pray that we would always be grateful, that we would always have a heart of gratitude for what it is that you've done for us and how you lead us. May we sing this morning with hearts that are grateful for all that you have done for us. Lord, I pray you bless your people today as we leave and as we seal all of what we've heard through song. Lord, may we leave different than when we came in. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.